between a talent and a gift. A talent is something we use for God. A gift is something that God uses us for. Okay? So it is God using us. And it is God doing the ministry. And then there are a variety of effects. You not only have to be conscious of how you're wired and how God is using you at the moment, but what effect it is having. If it is of God, it will be fruitful. It will build up his kingdom. Okay, now, then it says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one. Each one of you, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, has at least one of the spiritual gifts I'm about to mention. All right? At least one. Okay, and then it lists several spiritual gifts, and I won't read through those because I'm about to, I'm about to do that, um, name them for you and explain them for you. And then look at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one, again, there it is, individually, just as He wills. So therefore, spiritual gifts aren't something that you can ask for. They aren't something that you can train for. They are something that God gives you in conjunction, in coordination with a plan much bigger than your life. Okay, let's go through some of these spiritual gifts and what they are. And these are found in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, and in Ephesians. First of all, let's talk about the gift of apostleship. Apostle, uh, I'll go into some of the Greek uh, uh, phrases when I can think of it. Apostle means uh, one sent from. Stello means to send and apo means from. So it is one who is sent from. An apostle is someone who loves to cross boundaries. He loves to see what's on the other side, or she loves to see what's on the other side. The, uh, the, the Latin word, by the way, for this phrase is missio, from which we get the word missionary. A person who has the gift of apostleship is fascinated with people who are different than they are in an appreciative way. They are glad that people are different, and so they will cross cultural boundaries or subcultural boundaries. And they will not... <clears throat> Excuse me. They will not insist on their own way. You know, the, 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 the 1 Corinthians 13, love does not insist on its own way. An apostle, rather, is fascinated by how God has made other people, and the addition of that to their lives is a wonderful thing. So therefore, there were several folks in the first century church that God sent out as apostles. Paul was one of those apostles. He went in all kinds of missionary journeys and loved the differences of people. Wasn't threatened by them. Loved the differences. He was sent to the Gentiles. He went beyond the boundaries of Judaism. He was very, very... He was, he was raised in strict boundaries. He was a Pharisee. You couldn't go beyond those boundaries. And as soon as he received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he was sent to the Gentiles. See? He crossed that boundary. Now, there's also a counterbalance gift in the church. And that's called the gift of pastoring or the gift of shepherding. A person with the gift of pastoring or the gift of shepherding, and I'm not speaking here of a professional pastor. I think that's a misnomer. I'm, think, I'm speaking of people within the body of Christ who like to stay with a small flock of people and care for them and nurture them 
and know their names and know their kids' names and know what they like to do on a Saturday night and know everything about them and stay with that same group of people over the years in order to develop a deep and abiding spiritual, emotional relationship. If everybody in the church was an apostle, on Sunday morning, the church would go like this. Boom! And they'd never come back. (laughs) Because there's all kinds of boundaries out there, you know? And everybody would be thinking, you know, the only reason they'd come back is get supplies to go out again. See? If all the church was like that. If all the church had the gift of pastoring, the church would go like this. I mean, it would be like we all sucked alum. We would be in here so pursed up, just concentrating on each other's, fearing what was outside those walls. So therefore, God balances us. And He gives some pastors in order to care for the people so that we can export the wonderful gift we've been given with Jesus Christ. Okay, let's take a look at some more. And if you're the kind of person, by the way, who loves just to stay with people you know. And you love to watch them develop and you love to see their needs met and you love to care for them. You may, you may be a, a pastor. Don't confuse that with a profession. That's a calling. That's a wiring. <clears throat> if you are one who loves to go out and be in different subcultures, you love the business community, you love the, you love the, uh, um, you know, some other ethnic group or you love to learn about different cultures and different uh, customs and so on and so forth you may be you may have the gifting of an apostle okay let's let's go on um, prophecy John the Baptist what does that bring to your mind John the Baptist was a prophet a prophet is one okay again the Greek is um, uh, pro stemma I think it is one who speaks... Oh, no, it's, it's, it's prophemi. Prophema. It, it's one who speaks forth. Femi means to speak, and, and pro means forth. And so it's one who, who just says it, you know? A prophet is someone who is absolutely consumed with getting the truth out. Their whole focus is on the truth, and they don't really care how prepared people are for the truth. And they don't really care how they... Now, now there are mature prophets and immature prophets. The immature prophet will just... Just blast people. Remember John the Baptist? You brood of vipers. You know? None of this sandwich stuff. Give him a compliment. Tell him the truth. Give him another compliment. None of that stuff. You know? You, who taught you to run from the fire? You know? That coming judgment. You know? And then he'd paint it for him. Listening to John the Baptist kind of singed your eyebrows. You know? Your hair would go straight back like this. It's just how it was. You know? Well, you know people in your life. Maybe you're a person. Who just well I, I can't help, I can't help it how it affects people they got to know the truth I'm going to tell them the truth I fear that they don't that nobody will tell them the truth and so I got to say this to them okay let the chips fall where they, that's where you that's where you you hear a lot of pa- uh, prophets say chips fall where they may you know I'm going to say it that's my responsibility tell the truth okay now if you have a church full of prophets <laughs> you absolutely cream one another. I mean, what you have is a basically fundamentalist church who loves to come in and get pummeled. You know, there's something masochistic about going to a church full of prophets. So therefore, God gives us a counterbalance. And the counterbalance are people with the gift of mercy. You ever known somebody with the gift of mercy? Yeah, you probably have. Probably your grandmother. You know, probably, probably somebody who was tremendously nurturing 
And these people care about how you feel. They care about where you live. Tell me. Tell me your problems. I just want to listen. I just want to love you. I just want to understand. Now you talk to a person with the gift of mercy about progress or about growth or about discipline. They'll go, well, all those things are needed, but first we need healing. People are coming in hurting. They need to have their hearts touched. They need to be loved. They need to be hugged. See, I, there, was a, there was a woman here uh, some time ago. She's moved now, but she had the gift of mercy. And every time you walked in, in the room with this woman, she would look and she'd say, how are you? Not, hey, how you doing? How are you? You know, you go, well, I'm okay. Are you really? And then you start looking, well, no, really, I'm, I'm kind of tired. Oh, no. You know, just made you feel wonderful. Made you feel important. Now, if, if that's what you came for, you know, I know therapy groups that, that get into this, you know. Let's just talk about our feelings. You know, you go and cathart on one another all the time. And, and, and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling. Very little progress is made without challenge. So you, you're not into the challenging part, you know. Well, see, that, see that's the counterbalance that God gives us. So let's, let's go on now. Uh, what about the gift of leadership? Leadership is, is a, this is prostema. This is, this is somebody who stands forth, you know, a leader. This is a gift of ruling or a gift of governing. And, and the picture, the Greek picture is someone at the helm, you know, one of those old ships. And they're looking off into the horizon. The wonderful picture. They're looking off into the horizon and they're not taking their eyes off the horizon because their job is to get that ship where it goes. And so if you're the kind of person who is concentrated on the future and your job is to get this family here, you know, or your job is to get this company here, or your job is to, is to give a vision to people so that they can see where they're going. And you have a tremendous, horrible time. I mean, you might put on green socks and black socks because you're just always thinking about the future. You may have the gift of leadership. Well, all oh, that's wonderful. But if you don't tie the gift of administration to the gift of leadership, we'll all just look out into the future and the ship will sink. Because somebody needs to organize the ship so that the ship is equipped. What if you spring a leak? You know? Who's going to put together a team to fix the leak? Are you going to go up to the gift of leadership and say, Hey, gift of leadership, we got we got So he goes down there and fixes the leak. Then what happens to the ship? See? And, and besides, he'll say, doesn't matter. You know, I've got my eyes on the horizon. Don't, I, fix it. Deal with it. I've got, I, we, I've got to keep going straight. I've got to get, get us all there. So therefore, it's important that you have somebody with the gift of administration that says, well, all oh, that's fine and good. But what categories of maintenance, what categories even that the leadership hasn't thought of yet, do we need in order to get everybody there? And even more than that, what about the, what about the individuals? What about the crew? Never mind the ship. What about the individuals themselves? Well, that's the reason God gives us, many of us, the gift of helps. Because we are concerned about the practical needs of the individuals. If a person who walked in, who came in this door right now, came down this thing and said, and didn't have any shoes on, 
And they say, I need a job. I need a job. There would be many reactions according to your gift. Some of you, if you had the gift of leadership, this is what I'd do to the guy. I'd say, let me tell you about the wonderful future God has in store for you. Way off in the future. Look, you could see it. And I would find out a little bit about the guy and I would tell him the wonderful vision that would encourage him to go on. Some of you with the gift of evangelism would go, well, are you saved? People with a gift of administration would say, get me the classifieds. Tell me how you're qualified. I will give you a list of phone calls to make, and then you can be matched with the job. People with the gift of helps, though, would say, well, let me get you a pair of shoes. You haven't got any shoes. Or they would say, have you got any way to get to a job? Because if you don't have any way to get to a job, let me get you a bicycle so that you can go out on the interviews. Maybe I can't loan you a car. Or maybe I can't get you, but I can get you a bicycle. That's what I can do. See, very practically oriented people. That's very important. Now, there's also the gift of, of exhortation. My wife has this gift. I love this gift. Exhortation is the gift of encouragement. It's one of cheerleading. It's one of motivation. You know, my wife makes me feel like I can conquer the world. She tells me 15 times a day, Hunter, you're incredible. I've never met anybody like you. You're wonderful. I know she's probably lying through her teeth. I mean, she, she's not objective at all about this. I'm a short, stubby little guy who hasn't got much on the ball, but I feel incredible because I've got this wife that keeps telling me I am. What an invaluable gift. See? And, so, and, you, and the church needs that because if you've got prophets who will say, turn or burn, you know, and you've got people with a gift of mercy, who say, oh, how do you feel? You need somebody in the middle. Or you've got people with administration who are organizing you. Or you've got people of leadership who are giving you the vision. You need somebody to say, you can do it. I, this is part of my gift, too. I love this. It's the old win one for the gipper. It's, it's the coach's speech, you know, that kind of gets you up and gets you going. And go, we can do it. We can do it. You know, it's a wonderful gift. And if you love to see people encouraged, if you look at people and you see potential, that's what you see, probably you have the gift of exhortation. People with a gift of exhortation, that's exactly when I look. When I look at this body of people, I don't see individual. I see potential. Just pure, raw potential to change the world. And every day... I want to I want to just encourage you to bring out what God's given you. Gift of exhortation. Okay. Well, let me go on here. Okay. And then there's the gift of evangelism. Now, I don't have the gift of it. By the way, all of us have these gifts in part. Okay? I mean, all of us are supposed to encourage. All of us are supposed to speak truth. All of us are supposed to help. And so on and so forth. But I'm talking about big letters. I mean this is this is this is the way we are, you know. This is this is the driving force of our life. And and you can be given some gifts by the way temporarily in order to accomplish the purposes of God. You can be get be given any gift temporarily in order to accomplish a specific purpose of God in a specific situation. But again, most gifts are given to us because of how we are predisposed, because of how God has made us. Now the gift of evangelism I don't have the gift of evangelism. I always am ready to explain Jesus Christ to anybody and always looking for an opportunity 
to work Jesus into the... to say a good word for Christ, you know? I'm always looking for that. But as for just going door-to-door knocking, you know, or just just walking up to stranger, you know, and start witnessing and start giving my testimony, I, it makes me nervous. It makes me a nervous wreck. I get the tick in the eye. Yeah, don't you hate that? When you're talking and you get this tick in your eye and you're going, <laughs> well, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, and you're trying to make it quit, you know. Because it's not a natural thing for me. Evangelism is not a natural thing for me. I got this brother-in-law, however. I mean, he can walk in a, he can walk in a diner and sit down and he say, would you pass the salt? Where's Jesus in your life? You know, just the most natural thing in the world. Most disarming thing in the world. And the people go, well, yes, here it is. And, well, I don't know. Let's talk about that. I haven't thought about that in a long time. You know? If I went down, I'd go, <laughs> so what do you, have you heard of those four spiritual laws? You know? And the, and the person would probably get all uptight too. Ooh, gosh. You know? And, you know, it would be a mess. But a person with the gift of evangelism, you cannot ride on an elevator with my brother-in-law from the second to the fourth floor without examining your spiritual life. I mean, it's just so natural. How does Billy Graham do it? I mean, Billy Graham says, he just gets up and talks a while, and, and uh, he says, so anybody wants to just receive Christ? And a football stadium full of people go, you know, you're going, what did he just do? How did he do that? Well, it's God. It's a giftedness, you see. It's a wonderful thing. So God has evangelism, but he also, he also has people with a gift of knowledge. People with a gift of knowledge are people... Now, there is a, there is a one thing <clears throat> that people link with the word of knowledge, and that is knowing supernatural a fact about someone's life that may bring them closer to Christ or that is given so that they can come closer to Christ. Every once in a while, God does that. He gives you a word of knowledge about someone, uh, a fact about their life that is needed for some particular thing. However, in Scripture, there is an accumulation of facts. There are people who are wired, they just love to learn. And you ask them what it's for. I don't know what it's for. I mean, they're trivia people. I, you know, I, I, look, at, look at Ezra. Look at the book of Ezra, this, just the first chapter. Now, this was put together by somebody with a gift of knowledge. <clears throat> first chapter and second chapter. Now, for those of you who don't have it with you, this, let me, they're talking about they're just talking about uh, um, the holy vessels that are that are restored uh, um, in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, and, and it says, "Now their number was thirty gold dishes, one thousand silver dishes, twenty-nine duplicates." They're naming the duplicates. You know how many dishes were alike? Um, thirty gold bowls, four hundred and ten silver bowls of a second kind, and one thousand other articles, and so on and so forth. Then the second chapter, the guy says. The sons of Parash were 2,172. Uh, the sons of Era were 775. Uh, the sons of, you know, and they, they go down and they name it down, you know, 112, 223, 95. Then they go over and they're numbering the donkeys and the camels. There were 435 camels. There were donkeys, 6,720. There were 245 mules. Who cares? I mean, what difference does it make? It doesn't make any difference. But to somebody with a gift of knowledge, they love that stuff. It's trivia. It's holy trivia. And they, and they will just... Ne- I mean, this is, this is Bible Bowl, people. Bible Bowl. You ever see one of those Bible Bowls? You know? 
Who, who was Moses' great aunt's second cousin of the third removed? And they can name him for you. You know, it's like, what does it relate to? Jack Van Impey has the gift of knowledge. I mean, he memorized the whole Bible. It doesn't necessarily relate to anything except, now watch this. When you get somebody like that with the gift of, say, evangelism, I know people who have multiplied their evangelistic effectiveness a thousandfold because they have taken advantage of people with a gift of knowledge, say, a demographic uh, survey. Uh, I sat down with Terry Taylor several years ago, and he said, I'm working on a strategy for the cities. That's what the Navigators Ministry is doing right now, working on a strategy for the cities. And I said, great. He said, you know why? I said, no, why? He said, because I am told by people who are fascinated by this kind of thing, that by the year 2000, 84% of the population of the United States will live in or around large cities. And therefore, the bulk of our evangelism effort ought to at least include how to strategize an evangelism um, um, strategy uh, for a city. Well, see, that's, that's even better than just knocking door to door, isn't it? I mean, because you have thousands of people who come to know Jesus Christ because you have taken advantage of somebody with a gift of knowledge. And that's why God gives them to us. So anyhow, if you love to memorize stuff, you may have the gift of knowledge. You know, people, if you get a small group of people with a gift of knowledge, they'll memorize Scripture till they're blue in the face. I mean, they just love to do that. Just stack them up. You know, this is great. Okay, gift of faith. Oh, man, I'm not going to come close to even... In, um, Get the tape. Get the tape. You'll, you'll hear the rest of them on the tape. i get a little longer. Gift of faith. You've heard of people who can see the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, people with the gift of faith can see the light at the end of a curved tunnel. Very, I mean, these are people, if you are, are you know, when everybody else is, is losing their heads and everybody else is tremendously pressured and tremendously worried and tremendously how in the world are we ever going to uncover people with a gift of faith go it's going to be all right well how do you know just know you know and and you are wondering why everybody else is losing their head i mean did god take a coffee break is god not in control what so people with a gift of faith and this is a gift it's a wonderful gift people with a gift of faith will say god's going to bring this out to a, to a wonderful conclusion uh, people with a gift of wisdom uh, has given uh, uh, have given us wonderfully practical, common sense ways to resolve conflict. People with a gift of faith will be, it's all right. And you say, what do we do about it? And people with a gift of faith say, I don't know. I just know it's going to be all right. People with a gift of wisdom say, here is a wonderful thing that you have not thought of yet that is common sense. See if this doesn't make sense to you. And it's, they'll be like Solomon. You know, they bring in the baby. Solomon says, cut it in half. You know? And, the, and, the, and the, the real mother goes, no, don't cut it in half. And the false mother goes, yeah, sounds fair to me. You know? And everybody else goes, wow. You know, what great wisdom. You know what that is? That's not genius. That is consecrated common sense. When a person with a gift of, of wisdom is in operation, everybody else says, you know, I knew that all the time. I just couldn't put that into words. I, that, that was always there. person with the gift of wisdom is around. You'll be going like this. Why didn't I think of that? That makes perfect sense. It's not genius level. It's just, you know, you do a V8 on yourself. You know, you say, oh, gosh, that's, 
That's obvious now that it's named. Okay, that's a person with a gift of wisdom. And let me let me just uh, giving, serving, teaching. Let me get to the last part. Okay, let me just do a couple more, and then and then we'll we'll close. I don't want you to miss these. I call them supernaturalizing gifts. These are the spectacular gifts. These are, these are the controversial gifts. Get prepared to argue. There are people who are fascinated with supernatural gifts, and therefore they are so fascinated with the gifts that they lose sight of the giver and they misuse those gifts. A good number of people are here from charismatic churches because they have seen the immature use of spiritual gifts and the result in people's lives. And so therefore they have wanted a calmer, more reasoned you know, attitude in worship, so they've come here. There are another group of people who have denied that God does anything supernatural anymore. Oh, they will give lip service to, yeah, God can heal anytime he wants to, or God can do a miracle anytime he wants to, but they never ask with any faith. Because they've not been reared in the sense that God is active and wants to do wonderful things in your life. Let me just share with you, God does heal. I mean instantaneously and physically. I have seen it. And there is nobody in this world that can convince me he doesn't heal. God does do miracles. It's really true. There are some to whom God gives the gift of tongues. It's really true. Doesn't give them to everybody. I mean, that's from a normal reading of 1 Corinthians 12, that's, that is evident. And I know that there are gifts of tongues that are emotionally um, and peer-pressured oriented. I know that. But God does give some supernatural gifts so that you can know it is Him and not you. With all the rest of it, let me, let me tell you the use of the supernaturalizing gifts. And by the way, that's, I've never read that anyplace. That's just what I call them, supernaturalizing gifts. God has to have a few gifts where there is absolutely no doubt in your mind that he was 99% the initiator and the act- activator of those gifts. See, people with the gift of administration or people with the gift of leadership or people with this gift or that gift can somehow rationalize that down if they, if they, if they don't have a steadiness about it to where that's really what they did. You know, they did 99% of them, maybe God did 1%. It's like that old movie of the cowboy who comes in and, or the farmer who comes in and he says, Lord, we, we tilled the soil, we pulled out all the rocks, we planted the seed, we cultivated it, we harvested it, but thanks anyhow. You know, um, it, you, you don't get the idea they assume that God did much in that. Well, with the supernaturalizing gifts, that's totally impossible. You can't lay your hands on somebody and watch them healed before your very eyes and get the idea you had anything to do with that except obedience and asking. So God gives us a a few gifts whereby we are reminded how powerful and how supernatural he is and that we should ask and let him answer in the way that he wants to answer. Okay, ran out of time. Get the tape, all right? Listen to it again and again. And figure out where you are in all this. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this time. If there is anybody here who who doesn't even know you yet, let alone know your gifts, let them right now um, ask you to be the Lord of their lives. 
Maybe you've led them to this point and they are willing now to give you the spiritual leadership of their lives and follow it with the emotional leadership and all the rest of the decisional leadership. And if that's true, Lord, let it be now. And for the rest of us, Lord, who have made that commitment, reveal to us the gifts and how you want us to use them for the common good, not for ourselves, not for our pride, not for our experimentation, but for others' well-being. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.